Blog Talk Radio. So 
good job, Jim Kelly. You spoiled all the fun for everybody. You know, um, I know you're going through cancer and a hard time, but gee, you know, just that one moment would have been great to find out who won the Jimmy V award. Now we already know. So I don't know. I just, I just thought it was pretty funny that um, weeks before the award, he decided that, no, everybody don't even turn in because I'm the winner. That uh, that sounds like a something would have been, would have been a fun article to write. Where where would you, were you able to post that? I was uh, I put it on Inquisitor. Uh, it's a news site that is um, sort of neutral news, which is really cool because um, I, I really don't dig on biased news sites on either way. So I like this. Yeah. How embarrassing would it be if he let that out and then they asked ESPN and they were like, oh, we hate to say this, but no, it, it, it's, it's not him. No. I don't know where he got his info. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been else. terrible. I guess it's – yeah, at least this way it's like you can't feel too bad for, for him. You know, it's like, all right, well, all right. He he won the award, but man, you'd have felt terrible if it was like, no, sorry, it wasn't Jim Kelly. Maybe next year. Yeah, maybe you know Jim Kelly just was not sick enough for us this year. Um, <laughs> maybe if he's on his dying bed or something, then maybe we would feel more more generous of giving him the award. But he's looking like he's doing a okay. Right, that would just be oh gosh, terrible. I you know look really I guess in all seriousness, uh, good for ESPN. Jim Kelly deserves that. He probably deserved it sooner. Um, as He's really fought and uh, been really an inspiration to many people. So uh, glad that he's going to get that recognition. I'm sure that'll be a really great moment. And that, that'll be musty TV to see what he says, because um, he's just, like you said, maybe younger listeners don't aren't as familiar with Jim Kelly and aren't as familiar maybe with his whole situation, but um, you know, wow. He really has been an inspiration and such a fighter and, his daughter and seeing his family life and all that through the course of this has been uh, just a really, it's been a great story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just the, his fight, his daughter, um, was she, can you, can you uh, remind me, was was she autistic or what, what's the situation? I can't remember. Uh, going back a couple of years, I just remember reading, I, I think maybe she had posted an article uh, that I read or, you know, some kind of, maybe she, a letter to her to, or from her to him, or it was something like that. I, I don't think she was autistic or anything. Just, uh, just clearly the love that was between uh, her and him and the way she spoke about him as just being this family man and, you know, just how, how important he's been to their family and all that, you know, I've, I got four kids and it really, it hit me, uh, hit me pretty hard. Um, sure. To see a guy that's not terribly older than, I mean, you know, 20, maybe 20 years older than me or so, 15 years older than me. Um, but, you know, you can certainly see, see yourself in life in that, you know, situation and the kind of thing that cancer just sucks and can happen to anybody, you know, and just rips families yeah. apart and it's terrible. So, uh, yeah, you always see those, some of those heartwarming things. It's always a good, good inspiration for something that, you know, so many people deal with. So really cool thing that ESPN decides to do. I'm not sure they've had many uh, great ideas in the last uh, five or six years, but that's a great one. So <laughs> that, that is a great one. Do you remember back when it was the uh, Arthur Ashe award? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and so Jimmy B changed that, which, which I just learned you you might already know because obviously it went from the Arthur Ashe to the Jimmy V Award, but that was something that I learned that um, because of Jimmy V's speech and what he was going through, they actually changed the name from the Arthur Ashe Award to Jimmy V Award. I mean, it means the same stuff, but it's just interesting yeah. how how really how powerful that speech really was. Yeah, it really. I mean. Honestly, if it's been a while since you've listened to it, go look it up because uh, it really just, I mean, every time, I feel like sometimes I'll go like a couple of years and not, not here and I listen to it. And, you know, you just kind of file it in the back of your mind and forget how powerful it is. And then I'll stumble across it, listen to it. And just, man, it just really is such, uh, it's, it's so powerful and engaging. And um, yeah, yeah, the kind of, the kind of uplifting positive things that are much needed in our world today. So uh, yeah, no doubt. We could certainly, yeah, we could learn a lot from going back and listening to some of that, um, some of that. So, but yeah, so awesome, man. That's really cool. Um, it's uh, as we track this off season, it's going to be exciting to see some of the different articles that you post and what we can uh, what we can follow you on. And uh, so, where can we follow you on Twitter? I don't know. I think we mentioned this at the end last time, but I wanted to hit it at the beginning. Where, what's your Twitter handle for everybody? Uh, my Twitter handle. Twiddle. Um, my Twitter well, I I handle Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is, is uh, RFL Red Zone. So that's mine. Uh, Cal, go ahead and give yours as well. Yeah, so I am uh, DinoCast Cal. And I, uh, I, you know, I've had that one for a little while. I'm not as active on there. And some of my stuff is, you know, if you scroll through my history of likes, it's a lot of like, the Pitching Ninja, have you ever seen that guy on Twitter, The Pitching Ninja? No. Oh, gosh, man. You got, if, if you care about or like baseball in any way, shape, or form in baseball pitching, he, he posts uh-huh. like gifts of the, just the nastiest pitches in baseball of that day. Um, and sometimes wow. we'll go back and show like some older ones and all, too. And, man, you just would not believe the physics of – I just don't know how any – hitter ever gets a hit ever after you watch these these pitchers pitch and you see the way this ball moves and you know the other day Noah Syndergaard had like a 94 mile an hour sinker that it must have moved like two feet like right before it hit the plate Mm. it was just it was unreal but uh so that's kind of what I've been I've been watching that guy uh in in fact recently he just got into a big fight with Barstool Sports that's kind of what really uh put him put him on the map and uh really funny even like even like ESPN covered their uh, their little battle because uh, Barstool stole some content from them or something. And uh, anyway, all that to say, all that to say, as we go along, I'm gonna have a lot more NFL stuff to say on there. So um, so follow along, come find me. That would be uh, that'd be awesome. So um, yeah, so. I'd love to get into running backs. I think the, you know, the first we're going to go through, like I said, we're going to go through some of ADP. It's probably going to take us a few weeks, honestly, to go through and talk about all these running backs. Cause I really want to spend some time. Um, a lot of startups are going to be starting dynasty league startups. are going to be starting here soon. Uh, and then of course, over the course of the next couple of months, leagues will start filling up your hometown leagues, uh, leagues online, even if you're just doing seasonal um, and running back is absolutely one of the most important positions for you to get right. Um, this is a position that's changed a lot over the course of the last few years, yeah. going from being super important to being like, to being something that, Oh, you can wait on running backs to, 
in my opinion, and you can, you know, go ahead and opine on what you're, what you think here, but in my opinion, getting a couple of good running backs early in the draft um, has become more important this year. I, in saying that, um, I'll just explain typically most of the mock drafts that I have done. Um, it seems to me like you're, your high-scoring running backs that you can count on tend to me to dry up faster than any other position. Um, so as my personally, I'm trying to look at one of these early guys and get one of these on my team. Uh, what about you? What have you been noticing, the trend? What has been your general approach or what will be your general approach to running backs in 2018? I think you have to get one in the first two rounds for sure. Uh, depending on where we are drafting, of course, in the first round, you could either go wide receiver or running back and still be okay. But by your pick in round three, you should have at least one running back because the drop-off is, is just huge. It, it just goes to uh, one running back, uh, sole three-down kind of guy to – uh, dual carries and splitting, you know, like Joe Mixon and Hill, you know, and, the, and Bernard. I, and I think Hill's gone, so Bernard and, and Mixon. Um, those yeah. kind of situations that lend itself to um, just carry. So, obviously, that's not good. That's not what you want. But, uh, yeah, so you have to get one in the, for the first two rounds for sure. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, for me, you know, last year and even the year before, I, I had kind of gotten to where I was looking at trying to get these high-volume uh, wide receivers who were getting a lot of targets, and I would even try to get one or two of them, two of those guys in the first couple of rounds, maybe mix in a Rob Gronkowski, something like that. This year, I every time I tried that strategy, um, you know, I wouldn't call it zero RB, but uh, – taking RB and trying to get them more in the middle rounds. And I just hated my running back position. Uh, even just like just looking at ADP real quick, and we're going to go into some more detail, but you get down to, I mean, number 16 is Joe Mixon. And when you look at ADP and I like Joe Mixon's talent a lot, but you're telling me that's the 16th best running back that we can do, then I've got to get at least one guy, if not two guys ahead of that before I can, or or else I'm just not going to feel good about my running back position when the draft's over. Right. Yeah. Neither would I. Yeah. Because just, just that name alone kind of is nerve wracking because you just don't know how he's going to perform. He wasn't all, all that good. Last year, even though he was a rookie, I don't know how he's going to do this year. I, I really – what I saw from him last year, uh, he's he has a special talent, but it's sort of like Amari Cooper where there's this talented player and he's not putting it together. Now, I'm going to cut him some more slack than I will Amari Cooper just because of the length of the years they are in the NFL. But if, if he's like my number one guy, I'm – I'm I'm might as well just throw throw away my draft because uh, I don't I would not feel very strongly about my running back situation at all either. So I totally hear you on that one. Yep, hundred percent with you. So 
let's jump in. Let's go to the guys that we do know are solid and, and that we can count on. And, and uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to I want to start talking about to me. There's a tier of four at the very top. I want to I want to divide David Johnson off and I want to talk about him separately. So I want to talk about the first three, really. Um, these are studs. These are guys that I think I think we know what we're going to get with them. They're going to be elite. They're going to get the ball. They're going to stay on the field. For all, all three downs, they're going to catch a lot of passes. Um, you know, assuming no injury, I mean, these are going to be your workhorse running backs. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I, you know, like I said, I want to divide off and I want to talk about David Johnson a little bit separately. But when you look at these three guys, you know, Le'Veon Bell might have some contract issues, but he did last year and he came back in. He got there uh, in time to be ready for games, and he was a stud. Todd Gurley, obviously, last year. Um, put on, I mean, he put a lot of people on his back and won a lot of championships for people, including me, uh, in leagues I didn't have any business winning. <laughs> so, and in leagues where I did have business winning, he beat me in the championship. So, um, no surprise that he's going number one right now. Um, in my mind, I still like Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott a little bit more than him. Um, just, I, I know that he, I know he was, I know in a lot of ways he was better than those guys, especially towards the end of the year last year. Um, but there's so many weapons on that team. They have so many different options. I don't expect him, um, you know, and that you, you could say some of that about Le'Veon Bell too, but I mean, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott is going to get as much work as he can handle there in, in Dallas. Um, I like Le'Veon Bell the most because I think he's probably going to catch the most passes, especially, in, so especially in PPR leagues. Um, to me, he's the most reliable um, he's, he is worried about his contract and he has proven to go in there and work his tail off and perform. Um, so to me, I like Le'Veon Bell. Then I like Ezekiel Elliott. Then I like Todd Gurley. That's not to take anything away from Todd Gurley. He's a stud. Um, what about you? Do you see it differently? Uh, I see it pretty much the same. The only, the only, and it's a close flip-flop is Ezekiel Elliott and Le'Veon Bell. And the only reason why I have that flip-flop is because, uh, I don't, I don't like the fact how how often Le'Veon Bell has had concussions and been injured. I think last year was was the only year he's been healthy for 16 games. I if I remember right, um, even yeah. even in the playoffs. So I think it was second time regular season he's been fully healthy, but he was injured during the playoffs in one of those years. So uh, for the full schedule including playoffs, I think last year was the first year. Um, now, Ezekiel Elliott seemed to be healthy so far. He's, he only got suspended. So those are the two things that the tendency of Le'Veon and Ezekiel, and only because they're so close. I think uh, it's the only decision that I would make just, um, based on that reason. Other than that, someone says, like yourself, you said Le'Veon Bell. I'm not going to go. Oh, well, what about Ezekiel Elliott? You know that I, I would have gone him for sure. So there's really no, no. Uh, I think one A and one B is probably the best way to, to say say that that they're at, one of them is one one A and one of them is one B. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, I mean Le'Veon Bell had just a, a unbelievable year. Um, you know, I'm looking here and he. On 1,291 yards, um, you know, the just only behind Kareem Hunt and, and Todd Gurley. Um, 
And then he goes out and catches 85 passes on top of that. I mean, that is just – in PPR leagues, he is – yeah, he's just a stud. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's the exact same way. You know, I, I see that as very close. I wouldn't be – to me, you can flip a coin and – Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, you get one of those three guys at the top of your draft, and you're pretty happy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Todd Gurley uh, as far as in the top three. I I think, I think he would, if if I would tear it out, he would be, it would be Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, and then Todd Gurley in the second tier, just because of the fact that he, that year two was a disaster. So he had a, a pretty good rookie year. Second year was a disaster. Last year was was outstanding, as we said. Uh, and I don't know about this year. Um, I just there's just a lot of moving parts in that that offense. And is he going to catch as many passes? Uh, he's you know obviously he was involved in the passing game a lot more last year, but his first two years, he wasn't involved that much at all. And I still believe that they have Benny, Benny Cunningham there. So he's supposed to be their third down back, which didn't really come to fruition last year. So was it a fluke? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's a great running back. There's no doubt about it, but I don't know if those numbers um, from last year are going to carry four into year four, just because he had such a bad year in his year two. Um, that said, I don't think you can go any farther than him being a third third back uh, off your off your list either. Yeah, I'm with you, and I and I think I think those are all good uh, concerns. You know, I definitely think he's in he's in. I, I would say of, of the three, probably the best offense. Um, now, does Jared Goff? What happens with him? Does he take a step back? I think that adds a little bit of the um, right. of the worry into it, too? Does Jared Goff take a little bit of a step back? Or does he take a step forward? That could also, you know, they add in Brandon Cooks, and does Jared Goff end up, you know, connecting with him a handful of times? And um, whereas, you know, maybe they would have been calling a play for Gurley that, you know, he had a lot of long runs at the end of the year last year. You know, instead of that, maybe it's a long pass to Brandon Cooks. And, and again, it's, you know, anytime you're dealing with backs at this level, you got to be a little nitpicky. Um, and I definitely think there are some, some things there that make you say, well, given the choice between the three, I take the other two over him. Um, what about, what about David Johnson? Do you see him clearly over now last year, David Johnson was, I think clearly the number one back, especially after the yeah. Elliott got suspended. Um, he was the guy going number one. If you had a dynasty startup, he was going to be the first one that went. Uh, I mean, he's, he still wants to uh, have 1,000 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards. He's been vocal about that. Um, there's not a whole lot in that offense for him. They're going to be, you know, potentially a rookie quarterback under center. Um, they might have to lean on him. Can he handle that? A lot of questions there with David Johnson. How, how do you see it? I – that offense worries me quite a bit, especially if they have uh, Rosen as their as their quarterback, just because he's a rookie. Not that he's going to falter or anything, but he, he's going to make mistakes. There's just no way around that. Uh, even if Bradford's back there, then you're still kind of the worst the threat level. Uh, defenses are not going to back off on David Johnson because Sam Bradford is is throwing the ball. So. It's a little worrisome, and then 
then their offense, they they do have, uh, of course, Larry Fitzgerald, that you know, Hall of Fame wide receiver, uh, who they're going to be looking at a lot. And then they have a bunch of rookies. Um, I think they have Christian Kirk there. I yeah, Christian Kirk. Um, they might have one more, uh, but those are rookies again. So it's it's a really shaky passing offense, and because it's a shaky passing offense, you have to look at the running back and just sort of take a step back and go, okay, well, how the defense is going to handle a David Johnson? Are they going to stack the boxes? Are they going to um, just key on him, have have a linebacker just always on him? What are they going to do, right? So the one good thing that I like about David Johnson is that he can catch the ball. He can catch the ball. Will routes, he can catch the ball in any kind of situation, any kind of route. So that's going to definitely help the PPR leagues. But Moving down the field, I'm a little worried about. So I would actually have him fourth just because I just – right now I just don't trust the offense. And then it's a new offense. Arians isn't there anymore. Um, He retired, I believe. Um, And so what kind of offense are they going to run? That's going to be different from what we've seen since his rookie season. So too many questions right now for me to say he's the top guy. Uh, As like last year, there was really no doubt. But now – there's total doubt. So I would say uh, he's definitely a good fourth running back. Yeah. I I, I mean, I've, it's so close. I, I think if you were to promise me that he was going to get 16 games, um, he's he's got every bit of potential to be right there with these other guys. All, all four of them getting 16 healthy games, I would say, you know, David Johnson probably is um, uh, fourth of that group mostly because of the offense that he's in. Um, but, yeah, I think we can't – let's not forget how talented he is um, because he – you know, coming out of college, he was considered one of the best receiving running backs that many scouts had ever graded. So let's not forget how good he is and how, you know, you just go back a couple of years and he was carrying fantasy teams uh, the way some of these other guys were. So – um, right. Obviously disappointing, disappointing in um, and really whole 2017 for him. But then um, and he's down. He's, so I pulled up Fantasy Pro's rankings and he is down at number five. He's below Gurley, Elliott, and Bell that we talked about, and he comes in below Saquon Barkley. What do you think about that? I think that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Okay. Granted, granted, uh, David Johnson's coming off an ACL injury, and for a running back, that's really key. Running backs and receivers because they plant and cut so often. So, how is he going to respond with that ACL injury? Well, if you think he's going to respond well enough to be at number five, then obviously you feel that he's going to be a normal David Johnson. So. Why would you put a rookie in I granted it's a rookie, you know, it's it's someone that if you draft correctly and performs the way that everybody thinks think Saquon Barkley is going to perform, then that's awesome. But guess what? David Johnson is only in his fourth year, so you're not it's not like you're right. you're missing much on there. And I I I would flip flop those in, in a second. I, I, I think that when you have two players like that 
you never take the rookie over the, the, the person who's proved himself in the league. We have no idea, none whatsoever, how good Barkley's going to be this year or ever. He could be a total boss. And uh, where, then where are you then? So, yeah, I don't that, – that just kind of lights my ires a little bit because I just see that and go, <laughs> what? Why, where's the thinking in that? Now, how do you feel, Cal? How, how, what is that for Barkley and Johnson? Do, can you buy him being above above Johnson, like with the ACL injury that he's coming from? Or what, what are so, your thoughts? I can't help but uh, be reminded of uh, – I assume you know who Chris Tower is over at CBS Fantasy Sports. And um, he yeah. has this kind of famous thing he does when uh, you know rookie pitchers or rookie hitters will get called up and, you know, everybody just – loves the prospects and loves the you know the guys that are getting called up and there's all the potential in the world and uh kind of similar in this where it's like man Saquon Barkley you know there's so much potential and and uh so similar to something he would say I would say man Saquon Barkley really could be anything like he could even be David Johnson (laughs) and you know like David Johnson has already done it and we know he can do it and he I think it was a broken wrist last year. So it's not like he, you know, struggled with uh, chronic hamstring injuries or, you know, or something like that. It's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, if you told me that Saquon Barkley had a David Johnson year, I would say, well, he's easily rookie of the year and he's a stud. So, you know, to me, the fact that David Johnson has proven it before tells me, yeah, I mean, I, I'd rather have David Johnson um, over Saquon Barkley, but there's still a lot to love about Saquon Barkley. I mean, Saquon Barkley does, you know, find himself in a you know pretty good situation, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much longer Eli is going to be there, but uh, certainly there's a lot of good offensive pieces. Uh, defenses cannot cue on just him. A uh, lot to talk about how much damage he's going to be able to do in the passing game as well. Uh, which should really yeah. help that offense. And um, I want to talk about him in the same tier um, and see what you think. I, let's talk about Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, and Leonard Fournette. Those four backs. Barkley, Kamara, Fournette. Yeah. What about those four guys? Um, who Who's your favorite out of that group? Or um, which one of those guys do you see as – the top of that group? Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to have to probably go with Fournette, even though in a PPR league, he's probably not going to catch as many passes. Well, he definitely probably won't catch as many passes as Kareem Hunt or Kamara, um, so or Barkley, for that matter. So he's hurting in that PPR. So if, if someone like Fournette, who's prone to get injured, especially if he performs like he did last year, which you know, he, he had a pretty good season. Um, his numbers, I think, overinflated his performance because the one thing he does so well is that he always uh, – his his percentage rate of, of making tacklers miss, the first tackler miss, is really high. And that keeps him from getting sandwiched in with these defensive tackles and just these big players. So – if he can make that first tackle miss, then he has that speed to cut it up and go a long ways. And if he gets past 
the linebackers, then it's just him and the safety, and good luck for the safety to try to bring down this dude, right? So, right. unfortunately, last year, that didn't happen. He he didn't make the first tackler miss, and he ended up getting hurt, and then he ended up getting hurt again. And I'm really worried about that. Um, really worried about him not being able to do that, because if he cannot do that, then you're going to see him on the DL, um, you know, several times, if not the full season. So that worries me. Um, now, PPR leagues, uh, what worries me about Barkley is his offensive line. That offensive line is atrocious, but Barkley can catch the ball among any of them. Uh, so my guy, so it would be either between Kamara and Hunt, and I think they're gonna, Saints are going to have to rely on Kamara a lot. Uh, and I don't know what kind of damage that's going to do to him. So is he going to last? Uh, and Hunt is is Kareem Hunt. There's really no really – I don't see any difference than what he did last year. I see the same thing, which was very inconsistent, having great bust-out games, but then having games three or four stretches where he doesn't, doesn't appear. So um, I would go – I would go Kamara, then Hunt, then – uh, Fournette, then Barkley. That that would be my four in that order. Uh, how's yeah, your like order? What, who, who's your number one guy? Um, you know, fairly similar talent across the board. Um, you know, I, I I'm probably gonna regret this, but like Kareem Hunt was just so uh, frustrating to own last year. Um, yeah. You know, when you had like. You thought initially the first few games, man. He he's I I made the greatest pick of all time. He's the I yep. Yep. he is you know he's he's a stud. He's the kind of guy who's going to win me my my league. And you know, man, I hit a home run. And then there was a whole middle section there where you know I, I remember people asking, should I drop Kareem Hunt? <laughs> um, wow. And no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have. But I mean, no. I don't know if you remember just how. Yep. how atrocious he was um, towards the middle of the season. I, you know, I think he got yep. it together a little bit more at the, at, at the end of the year, but, you know, I'm looking at his game log and, you know, obviously, I mean, everybody remembers that first game against the Patriots where, you know, he just lit up the box score, um, but he had a whole middle section here and the end was good, but, you know, you look at everything from, from uh, game one, two, three, four, five, all, five to ten or so, and he was just dreadful. Um, 40 yards rushing, 23 yards receiving, 17 yards rushing, nine yards receiving, 73 <laughs> yards rushing, four yards receiving, 37, 24, 46, 22, 87, 30. I mean, where a lot of a lot of games where he's got less than 100 all-purpose yards, less than 50 all-purpose yards, um, you know, it was – it was pretty brutal there in the middle, but, um, you know, he bounced back. I, I, I certainly wonder if, you know, a lot of those games were losses, um, but they were close losses. It's not like they were getting routed or, you know, anything like that. Um, right. So, yeah, tough. And a, even in, even in routes, what, does it say how many uh, receptions he had uh, to finish the season off? Total was fifty three, which mm. is good. I mean, that's a good amount. Yes, yeah, not bad. Um, 
Yeah, you know, he had two receiving touchdowns against New England. Um, but, yeah, it's it just um, – that was the frustrating part. You know, he, he added in eight touchdowns there, um, uh, rushing. Led the league in rushing. I mean, I, you know, you can't certainly can't take that away from him, just that middle part of the season where he, he was really frustrating to own. So is he just going to be a guy yeah. that's up and down? Uh, you know, we certainly know that Andy Reid can ha- have periods of time where he just forgets about his running back, and yeah, you yeah. know, periods of time where yeah, I mean that's that's certainly a part of being, you know, with Andy Reid, and then he has certain times where man, he can produce the best running back in the league. So um, I still think he belongs in that group. I think he's, you know, and if he could get, if he was more consistent, I think he would clearly be the top of this list. Um, because he's going to have oh, a workload. Oh, for sure. He's got the workload. Yeah, he really yeah, hasn't sure. struggled with injuries, you know, and and he's more obviously a much more known um, more much more known quantity than Saquon Barkley. But um, yeah, that's the only really I guess other note on that. Kamara, they they continue to talk here in New Orleans about how he's going to have the same role that he had, um, and that somebody else is going to kind of play that Ingram role. Now, in the middle of the game, is Sean Payton going to be patient enough to? put in, um, you know, Trey Edmonds and run him the ball um, and not say, man, I need a first down. I need to give this ball to Kamara. I I don't know. That remains to be seen. Um, You know, so he could have a bigger workload there in the beginning. And obviously that would be good in the short term. Is that the best thing long-term though? He's not a big guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy that, you know, we'll talk about, we'll talk about McCaffrey here shortly, but um you know, I, I, I'm not sure he's the kind of guy that is ever going to, you know, carry the ball 25 times a game and that you'd want to carry 25 times a game. Um, right. I think having Ingram there helps him more than it, more than it hurts him. So, um, right. but I definitely understand in a, P, in a PPR league, um, I, I, I think as far as, you know, up upside and excitement, I mean, he's, he's clearly an exciting player. Fournette, I loved, you know, as an LSU fan, but, man, he struggled so much with injuries, even here in LSU, um, and he struggled last yep. year. I just want to see him get right. He's, a, he's got so much talent. I would love – if he played 16 games, he might belong in the first year. But, you know, he's got a um, – he's got a lot to prove uh, to show that he can, he can go those full 16 games. Yeah, and and I just don't see it happening. I just, um, I it's just like I I don't see foreshadowing him missing twelve games or some large amount of numbers, but I can just really see him missing three or four weeks out of the year and be two weeks here and two weeks there and just really wreck your the whole the whole situation of of your your team because you are taking him probably in the first round and if you're missing him for four weeks out of, out of the four weeks, and then you think like Mark Ingram, everybody's talking about Mark Ingram. Should you even draft Mark Ingram in the first three rounds? Cause he's going to miss, you know, four games or five games total. Cause I think they have a bye week right after that or something to that effect. Right. Uh, and, and so should you even draft him? That's five games. Well, guess how many games that Fournette is probably going to miss. He's probably going to miss four to five games. So, are you going to not really draft him in the first round? And so, That's yeah, a really good it, point. It, 
and you're you're making me think that might not be a bad strategy to grab Fournette and you know, it shows his average draft position of of number eight. So let's say you draft Fournette in the first round, maybe you do come back in the third round or so and you draft Mark Ingram and you pair those two together and you know, if both of them stay healthy, you know, for the last 12 games of the season, 11 games of the season, you've got a, you got a couple of stud running backs. Um, I yep. guess the downside is, is, uh, well, th- th- what, what, what might make them work together, what made me think that is you may, you may get the first four games of Leonard Fournette. Um, I mean, he might get hurt after that, but you at least know with Ingram, okay, I got to build a, a contingency here in the first four games, and you can kind of plan for that. I guess with Fournette, it can happen any time, but they might make a decent pair uh, if you're if you're not someone super risk averse and you uh, feel like you can get some of these later round running backs just in case. Um, but here's an interesting guy I want to I want to talk about um, a little bit as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna single him off. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get both two guys two guys here in these next four um, that are, to me, somewhat similar, um, at least in terms of they've been here before, they've done this, um, they've had excellent seasons. Um, I think some of the dynasty community are starting to think um, about turning the page from these guys, but they still carry a lot of value. Um, Melvin Gordon and Devontae Freeman. Um what are your what are your thoughts on these two guys? If you want to talk about one uh, first and, th- and then the other, but what what are your thoughts in general on those guys? And right now they're kind of going in the same around the same spot. If you're on the clock and you're faced with uh, either one of those two guys, are you are you excited to pick them? Are you look, hoping somebody else takes them? Or ha- what's your general sense when you're on the clock and those two guys are available? If, if I'm on the clock and those two guys are available, I'm hoping someone picks Devontae Freeman. Um, I'm, I, I don't understand why Melvin Gordon is so low. Uh, and I don't even understand why Devontae Freeman is so, so low either. Excuse me. Um, so it's, it's very confusing to me why those two are, are as low as they are, but I like Melvin Gordon. I think he, he he's going to be someone that is, you know, just someone that is a great runner. He doesn't, he, he's very much like Todd Gurley, except for I think Todd Gurley can catch the ball or is it the other way around? No, I think Gordon could catch the ball. So I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I'm stumped. I'm stumped by that whole situation. Uh, I would definitely go Gordon over Freeman because Atlanta has so many running backs now. Uh, they, they drafted Ito Smith, who I really like. Uh, he's, he's not going to, threaten Devontae Freeman of his job or anything, but he's definitely someone who can make an impression and they got a three headed monster there. So it's, I just don't see room for Freeman and that maybe that's why he's at 13. Um, can you shed some light on maybe why Gordon is so low? Um, Cause I certainly don't understand, don't understand why he would be even lower than Christian McCaffrey, who is more of a third down back playing a whole slot of roles and not going to be caring very much um, compared to Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I mean, I would just say with Melvin Gordon, my hesitation on him is 3.9 yards per carry last year. Uh, And I mean, for his career, I was trying to get the numbers here, but his career numbers in that area are not very good either. Um, He's kind of like a home run hitter a little bit to me, a guy that's, 
you know, like a uh, for anybody baseball knows Joey Gallo. Uh, he's going to hit the ball really hard. He's either going to hit a home run or he's going to strike out. And I think with Melvin Gordon, he's either going to score you a touchdown or two, or you know, it's. I'm not saying he doesn't do anything else, but. There are certainly times where you watch him and he just looks like a plodding running back. Um, and, you know, you're hoping he scores a touchdown. Um, I mean, he had just over 1,000 yards last year rushing, which, you know, certainly isn't, isn't terrible. But for, you know, somebody who had as many carries as he did, um, 284, which is, you know, more than Kareem Hunt, more than Gurley, um, you know, more than Ingram or Jordan Howard, and he'll be behind those guys. Um, he's just not getting a ton of, uh, you know, some of that could be offensive line. Some of it could be just being a little bit more of a plotter um, as a running back. I, I don't see him as being a guy who has as much wiggle, as much ability to get yards after the after contact as some of those other guys. But, um, you know, I guess that would be the concern. I mean, you know, again, he's going to get a full workload. I think he belongs to be up here. I, you know, I think he belongs in this group. Um, and he's going to have some, some decent, you know, he had 58 receiving yards last year, uh, 58 receiving catches, sorry, uh, receptions. Um, yeah, I think that 3.9 yards of carry scares a lot of people. And, uh, to me, that's why you think that you think that is what goes into it. It must be because there's, to me, there's really no other other reason for it he's very consistent uh he's he does the receptions and the rest the only in, in dynasty purposes the only thing i can think of right now is because of philip rivers being at the end of his career and that sort of changes the landscape a little bit because you have no idea who's going to be quarterbacking the chargers uh so maybe that's what knocks him down three or four pegs um Three point nine um, definitely is is something that is not good. You definitely want him around the four um, at the very least, four four one, um, and then after that, everything else else is you know icing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that has to be it because there's no other reason. As far as dynasty, what do you think? You think Phil Rivers being at the end of his career has anything to do with it, or or what? It, it could, I, you know, I, my hope is I hope he goes and finds Mark Ingram's dealer, whatever Mark Ingram started taking that allowed him to go from this 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry back to like five yards per carry back. He needs to find that yeah. and just start taking that from now on. And uh, just until he gets caught, you know, nobody cares that Ingram got caught, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's, it hasn't ruined his career. It helped his career. So that's that's the difference in baseball and football right there. Yeah, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, baseball is crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, we, we, you know, just find that and, like, you know, I, I mean, I say that obviously half-joking, but I am kind of reminded of some of the criticisms of Mark Ingram initially. And oh, yeah. he did kind of seem to be that, um, you know, wasn't getting a whole lot of yards after contact and this and that and, um, but you know, some of that might not be found. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the kind of veteran that gets overlooked a little bit and goes out and then everybody's like, gosh, why didn't we, why didn't we remember how good this guy was? Um, yep. you know, so, 
And I think Devontae Freeman, yeah, you, you know, you bring up a, some interesting points, obviously, on them bringing in Edo Smith. I think I definitely see him as a long-term replacement for Freeman. Um, I think Freeman is just so talented. I, I think he's I, – I like, he's the kind of guy I like to watch run. Um, I hope he gets – I hope whether it's whether they move on this offseason or – or what happens, you know, I, I hope he continues to get the opportunities to, to lead a backfield because he's fun to watch run. Um, it can be frustrating sometimes on your fantasy team because you might have a Tevin Coleman game as opposed to a, as opposed to a um, Devontae Freeman game, and that can be a little bit frustrating. But I like him. I mean, he's not quite as exciting as maybe this next group that I want to ask you about, but uh, just in general, I, I, I do like him. So um, the next group, is you know kind of going in that same general range and maybe you can tell me how much you like them uh in comparison but more exciting but i'll say less proven um dalvin cook christian mccaffrey christian mccaffrey obviously had a great year last year he's a stud i don't think either of us has questions about his his talent maybe his role or you know whatever it is might might bring up some concerns and maybe not i mean maybe there's just nothing to worry about with him and he's just a stud but um, him and then Dalvin Cook, obviously, there's still a lot of unknown, all the talent in the world, unfortunate injury last year, but man, yeah. great team. He, he, you know, he doesn't have Jared, Jared McKinnon there. That's that's going to be helpful. And I, 16 games of him being healthy would be a treat for football in general. And I think if you get him on your fantasy team too. So, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I think. They, they've been talking about Christian McCaffrey getting 200 carries. I and if that happens, that's that's going to be really awesome. Um, I I CJ Anderson there is I don't know where where people get this idea that CJ Anderson is going to actually help Christian McCaffrey. I, I still don't see that at all. Uh, I think he hurt, he hurts him um, most definitely because CJ Anderson is, can catch the ball at least a lot better than John Stewart could. So how is that going to be a beneficial for, for someone like McCaffrey who is not going to be losing out on opportunities to catch a ball because someone else is doing it. Um, so I don't see, I don't see how that helps. Uh, and to see him get 200 carries, maybe that's why he put on. I don't know. Um, but I doubt that as well. I don't see him getting up, up in that range either. He's just too small. Now with Dalvin cook, uh, what we saw last year, wow! Um, the, the, I, went, I don't remember when he went out in the season. Was it week six or seven? Um, but geez, he tore. Uh, yeah, he tore up. I mean, every single game he was out there, he was just like superhuman. Like not even a rookie, just being some veteran out there, uh, giving that oppression, anyways, and. I I just I have more faith in Dalvin Cook than I do Christian McCaffrey, just because of the fact that it's more Dalvin Cook's team than it is Christian McCaffrey. If you line them up talent by talent, then I might be going with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'd be so excited if he was playing in Minnesota, but that's not the case. And they have Carolina has all these different speed guys and opportunities and different things that are like Christian McCaffrey type players so all that just worries me and I would definitely go with Dalvin Cook because I think he's definitely going to be the main focus there 
who do you do you go with Cook over McCaffrey or or how do you how do you see that? No, I you know the more and more I, and I like both of them a lot, but the more and more I think about and look at Christian McCaffrey, the more I like him. Um, you know, being a little bit of a smaller back, I mean, he was placed in a situation where. I don't think he's got quite the offensive guru of a Sean Payton where he could take a guy like Alvin Kamara and he can craft this like perfect role for him and, um, you know, just really, really make it where, you know, this guy is going to set him up for the most possible, best possible success. Carolina's really struggled with their offense, you know, to, to some degree, uh, outside of a couple of years, um, he just seems to me like the kind of guy, the more and more and more I look into it, the kind of guy who he had a year where he kind of was figuring things out. And I don't think he, I don't think he even had a hundred yards uh, rushing in any single game last year. Um, I, I would expect him to get that this year, but he still, despite not having that, he still had majority of weeks he's given you double digit fantasy points and you know certain four or five weeks he gave you over 20 so he's finding ways to you know they they know they want to get the ball in his hands and I, I think they're working towards that I think a, I think a full year with them having that um seeing what he can do seeing him on the field I was so excited for him coming out of Stanford and in a lot of ways I thought I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a better back than Leonard Fournette, somebody we talked about earlier. Yeah, um, exactly. And a lot of people were on that and thought he was going to be a better running back than Leonard Fournette. This could be the year he stays healthy for 16 games and Fournette struggles with injuries again. And I think he's being taken next year then over Fournette. So, um, yeah, I, there's a lot to me there's a lot to like about him. That's not to take anything at all away from Dalvin Cook. Um, I think Dalvin Cook is, you know, as obviously a very different different style of back, different type of running back. He's, you know, he would be more in the mold of Fournette, but um, just looked all, like you said, looked awesome every time the ball was in his hands. Um, I, I'm really excited to see him too. But I am I'm becoming more and more a Christian McCaffrey guy the more and more I think about him and look at him. So yeah. I'm on him, and I know you like him too. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been a, a big fan of his before uh, he even got in the NFL. I was all over him. Um, he was my Debbie pick in almost like every every Debbie league I'm in, and he's paying off dividends so far. But yeah, I I'm a big big fan of Christian McCaffrey. I just wish he played in an offense that was more streamlined around him than it is around so many other revolving pieces and his talent would, would shine. Uh, and you, you give a good point about, about Fournette. And if, if Fournette goes down again, then that's just going to shoot up red flags for everybody. And if McCaffrey plays 16 games without any issues, like he did last year and continues to perform, would he catch like 80 something passes? I think last year, um, it, then it's, it, it's really a no brainer that and he he climbed the ladder too he he went from being a a late middle second round pick to a first round pick in nfl drafts and now people are mentioning him in with other players such as dalvin cook and alvin kamara where they didn't before that mccaffrey was just left behind out and it was just all about fournette 
Kamara and and um, the name escapes me right now, but um, Cook. And so yeah, yeah, he's he's earned he's earned his position, which I really really enjoyed about him as well is that he earned that forward to this year to see exactly what happens. Well, let's. I want to stay in the same theme, and, and then and then we'll jump back. But we're kind of talking a little bit there about second year guys, McCaffrey, Cook. Uh, we talked about Kamara. Um, another guy that's kind of in that same mix is Joe Mixon. Obviously, you know Joe Mixon was um, highly scouted. I mean, he was. You know, many people considered him just from a talent basis the most talented of any of those running backs. Um, you know, including Fournette and all that, but obviously very off the field issues really, really hurt him. Um, he came in, he had, you know, I'd say an up and down year. Um, he had 178 rushes, 626 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, that Cincinnati offense just seemed like it was, it really struggled a lot last year. Um, he would have some great games and then come back and not have as good a game. He was tough to rely on. Uh, looked like he'd, kind of turned in about 14 games for us last year um missing a couple at back weeks 14 and 15 he missed so um you know tough tough year for him but man it doesn't seem like any of the is it the state of the running back position that has vaulted him up to to being as of right now the 16th running back taken is it the lack of depth or is it is it people looking and saying Cincinnati, there's no way they can be as bad as they were last year. They're going to rely on him. Jeremy Hill's gone. Uh, he's going to be the main guy. Um, you, you think it's maybe a little bit of a, and a little bit of B or, you know, why is, why is he the 16th running back taken off the board right now? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly, I think it is exactly a little bit of a, and a little bit of B. Uh, they don't have the three headed monster anymore. Now that kill's gone. So it's it's Mixon and Bernard, and both Mixon can do Bernard's job. Bernard can't do Mixon's job. So I really don't know what Bernard's purpose is going to be in, in this whole situation. So it very well may be just Joe Mixon, um, a three-down ball carrier, which is so important in in today's our, uh, fantasy leagues that – because there's so few of them that there is just a three down back. That being said, um, that's going to vault him up in the ranks. I think what pushes him down is exactly what you, you were talking about with all those. He didn't perform very well. He has all these off field issues uh, carrying around with him. Um, one, one mistake and he may never play the NFL again. If, if he, if he yeah. does Ray Wright, you know, if, if he does Ray Rice, he's going to be out of the league. There, there's no way in the no world. Uh, yeah, he he's going to be gone. Um, so and he's on that verge of, of of those kind of things. So I think a lot of that takes five factors. Yeah, it just seems this is as we get down here. We we got a few guys. Before, we got three guys before we get to him that I want to talk about. You know, as far as ADP wise, but that just shows. You get to him at 16, and that's either people have way more faith in him than I do, um, and I like his talent. I, you know, I do. Um, but man, that offense, 
I don't know what we're going to get there. Um, and yeah, like you said, yeah. there's a little bit of a mix, a mismatch between is Gio going to take, is he going to take the receiving back duties away from him? And if so, like that's probably one of the things that makes him the most exciting um, is he can do all that. Um, does he become, you know, does he, is he relegated now to the Jeremy Hill role? Um, I mean, in which case he's going to, he's going to be the worst pick of the draft right here at 16, you know, as right. far as running back. Yeah. So, exactly. um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So. I, and you're absolutely right about that. If he's, if they split him up like they did Jeremy Hill, um, with him and with Bernard and Hill, then ooh, that's just going to really push down his value. So you're either looking at someone that's going to have his value to squash, or Bernard is going to be nothing more than a filler, where uh, you know um, he mix in takes the ball you know, up to the you know 40 or whatever, and then takes a break for a spell and comes back into the game to score the touchdown. So it's, well, it's going to be one way or the other. And, you know, especially in dynasty leagues, how do you feel about carrying that kind of responsibility of mixing, knowing that one, one may, I don't want to say minor, but uh, an infraction um, can be that he can commit a, uh, in a, a violent offense, let's just say, and be gone for the for his whole career. What, do you do you consider that at all, or in a dynasty league, or do you just put put the trust in the person to behave himself? Oh, I think it's absolutely worth considering. I mean, you know, I I, I was a yeah, I was one of those guys that was all in on Josh Gordon, and that was you know, so you, you see that, and you're like, well, gosh, I mean. There are so many cases, um, Gordon, Justin Blackman, you know, all these guys that, uh, that struggled. I, I think you could even make a case that um, for Ezekiel Elliott on that, he's already faced one suspension. So, but now you're talking about you've got all that risk and you really haven't seen him be the best player on the field yet. Whereas you've seen that with Josh Gordon, you've seen that with Ezekiel Elliott, you haven't seen that with Mixon. So now one game next year and he could show you that. And then you say, okay, I see it now. And there could be a lot of excitement, but I had a league last year where I had the fifth pick um, in the dynasty draft, just in a rookie draft. Um, And he fell to five. And if you remember, there was kind of a top five last year. Um, and, you know, him and Dalvin Cook were kind of, you know, switching off going 4-5 uh, behind Fournette, Corey Davis, and uh, McCaffrey, 4. So I took Mixon at 5. Obviously, I took him ahead of Kareem Hunt, which I certainly wish I didn't. <laughs> uh, but that's just how things looked last year. Um, but I've, So I've got him on a dynasty team now. And, man, I, I would take – if somebody offered me Mark Ingram for him, I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, oh yeah, and he's you know being drafted being drafted you know below, um, you know a guy like you know older guy like Lashawn McCoy obviously or um, mm-hmm. you know I, I, there's a lot that I would there's a lot that I would like to sell him for if I could, um, and maybe this is a sign that he's got enough value that I could. Um, so, what do you think? What would be a good target if, if you had if you were trying to sell off? Joe Mixon, who would you be looking for? 
Uh, I think he carries a lot of weight still, so it would definitely have to be someone in the in the top ten. Uh, depending on my, on my needs, uh, wide receiver or, or quarterback or running back, uh, the wide receiver would definitely have to be. I, I don't. I think no, not Antonio Brown, but someone like uh, AJ Green, maybe. Um, yeah. On the same, they play on the same team, but um, you know that that kind of <laughs> that kind of level where. And AJ Green's a little old too, but you know, some somewhere along in those those type of lines, it would it would have to be um, something like that where it it's definitely a top top ten kind of value kind of guy. Yeah, and I don't want to make this about my you know my team here, but I you know I, I do think it's helpful looking at some of these guys and saying like, okay, what what do we do with them if we've got them in dynasty? And yeah, like are, are we do we try to uh, you know, would you trade him for an Amari Cooper, for instance? Yeah, you know, there, there you go. That's a that's a good example. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it, it. Let's put it. This this is kind of this is going to sound kind of uh, wishy washy, but there's a reason why it's going to sound very wishy washy. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Amari Cooper. I've never been a fan yeah. of Amari Cooper, and so far, he's all he's done is proved me right. So, but right. I know that he's top three or four wide receivers in dynasty leagues. There's a whole lot of masses out there that, that Mari Cooper is the top three receiver. So I'm not going to go against the masses on that. Um, so in terms of value of the masses, absolutely. In my opinion, I think I, I'd rather have Mixon uh, just because of the feelings that I have about Cooper. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's why it sounds wishy-washy, but definitely the masses would say, yes, make that trade. You know, dude, I can't tell you how much I love that. I love what you're saying right there. And let's like, let's take a second and let's just talk about this because this is a really good point for dynasty leagues. Um, and you know, obviously we can you know talk about some of these other running backs, um, as well too, but, um, so much of dynasty football is, is, is like the stock market right? You're selling high and you're buying low and you are, you know, much like a gambler, you're trying to take care of, you're, you're trying to take advantage of the public hive mind that tends to get really high on these players sometimes when they maybe haven't done it yet. Or there are certain players that they, you know, they just are seen as, um, as a superstar or man, they've got so much name value or name recognition or, yeah, like you said, Amari Cooper is still seen. You could still sell Amari Cooper for, you know, for somebody like Kareem Hunt maybe, you know, or some, somebody like mm-hmm. that. And he certainly has not produced that way. Um, but if you, you know, if you can catch those, you know, and some of it is just having a really, some of it's having a really um, strong opinion yourself on these players and not getting caught up in what the public thinks. Um you know, like in gambling, they always talk about always bet against the public. And that's, uh, that's, you know, pretty much always been a good strategy. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's true a lot of times in dynasty too. If you, if you know, um, you know, trying to think of, of examples, like the last couple of years, I knew Mark Ingram is a good running back and I'm, you know, not trying to be a good uh, a homer on that, but I knew, I, you know, this guy can run the ball. I, I don't understand why they're bringing in Adrian Peterson. I don't understand why they're saying Tatum so much. Right. I know he's a talented yeah. running back, 
And so I was, you know, sending out offers, especially when they signed Adrian Peterson. Um, and now this year he gets, he gets suspended and I put out more offers for him there. Um, I think if you believe a guy like that is for instance, Lamar Miller. Now, his value is really low. If you were a guy who really believed in him, now would be a time you wanted to buy him. Or on the flip side, if you've got the number one draft pick in your rookie league and you don't think Saquon Barkley is going to be um, you know, in that top four, I mean, look, think about what you could get for him right now. So, yep. so much of Dynasty is picking apart and looking at, like, here's an injured player and I- I'm going to make, make a – I'm going to make a, an offer, a low-ball offer for this, and I'm going to offer him something that can be useful now. And that's the, a, a good Dynasty League player is always looking to sell high and buy low. Um, what do you think about what, what do you think about that? What's some of your experience with that, or do you have any any examples of guys like that for you right now? Yeah, in fact, last year I, I had the number one pick in one of my Debbie drafts and uh I I chose Joe Mixon for two reasons. Number one, he was the number one guy on the board. And number two, I knew I was gonna get a whole heck of a lot um by trading him. So sometimes yeah. you make make picks to make trades with. And I think that that's almost as important as picking the right player. If you if if you're in a situation, this is one of the things I love about Dynasty League too, is that if you're in a situation where you're in a pick where you don't like the players and you, you know that certain guy whose ADP is that value, I would take someone of lesser value that I know that can be more popular or be easier traded than someone who is a higher value if I don't like any of the pick selections on that and I can't trade out of that selection. So that's how I look at that is, okay, which guy has the most trade value? And that's what I did with Mixon. I was, and I traded him. I don't remember what I traded him for. I know it was, it was quite a bit. Um, I had a lot of people clamoring for him. Um, almost the whole, whole league was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take him. I, I want him. I want him. So when you have so many owners battling it out for a player, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a very big offer that you normally wouldn't get if one or two owners were interested. So the bid value just goes insane. And I was able to work it. So, yeah, that that's exactly what happened to me last year with, with the guy we're just really talking about, is Joe Mixon. Yeah. Man, there's so many of those guys. I, um, you know, man, I am – I'm in a lot of leagues. So I'm in two leagues that have already drafted and obviously uh, running back, rookie running backs are a big theme there. Um, And coming off of coming into a year where there's not as many solid running backs that I, I believe that can be counted on. I think some of those guys really vaulted up the rookie running back rankings. Some of that is the wide receiver class isn't quite as exciting. Um, But you know, I've seen every year where when it the build up and lead up to a draft, you can you can there's never a time where those picks are more valuable than than right before a draft starts or right when that pick is on the clock. And I like slow drafts because it does give you a chance to shop that pick around and figure out exactly 
you know, somebody's going to offer you this, but you can almost always get a, at least a fairly decent veteran for those picks. And, um, you know, if you're a team that's pretty close, you know, that's, that is one of the strategies I've often, I've often used is if you've got a, you know, six, seven, eighth uh, pick in your fantasy football draft, the rookie draft, um, trying to take that and flip it for some veterans and um, just, you know, rook, dynasty, Dynasty fantasy football is a little bit different than seasonal fantasy football in that you you are going to have the opportunity to do some of that buying buying low and selling high and um, you know I definitely think you're trying to figure out how to get the most value out of whatever asset you have on your team and whether that's picks or whether that's taking somebody like Joe Mixon that you think is more valuable than he's actually going to be able to produce and you got to sell. Yep, so. exactly, and or or just reverse. If you feel that that slot is is carrying a player that that is has a higher value than what's going to be there, then you want to buy. And so it's it's a stock market, like you said. You, you're either buying buying shares or you're selling shares, and you know sometimes you hold and to see how it's going to perform. And so. Obviously, we don't we don't have shorts um, in the stock market where you have shorts in the stock market where you put insurance in and and if it goes lower than a certain point, you can sell it. But um, other than that, it's pretty pretty identical, I think. Yep. So where do you think on that curve of uh, name value, name recognition, and ability to produce? Where do you think Lashawn McCoy is today? McCoy, oh, for Dino, he's probably near zero, um, just because he's thirty, what thirty one, thirty two. Uh, you know, yeah. if if you're in a win now situation, I think he has high value. So if you're like this year and you're like, okay, all I need is like a standout running back to get me that title this year, then absolutely go for him. Um, and you're probably going to get him heck of cheap too. So yeah, go for. Go after it. Go after someone like Lashawn McCoy if you need someone a running back that's going to put you over the top for this year. Uh, two years down the road, he's not going to be worth anything, but uh, at least you got a championship under your belt. So that's how I, I kind of see Lashawn McCoy as an only win now situation. Uh, and if you own McCoy, then you know, you can you can see what what's out there if you don't really need him. If not, then he's just one of those hold pieces just because the value just isn't going to probably be right to either to sell because no one's really going to have you – got, you got to have interest in the marketplace for to sell a good value. And if there's no interest in the marketplace, then that value drops. So supply and demand right there. Um, See, so now you yeah. got me talking economics, Cal. I'm, I'm, I love <laughs> economics. <laughs> And um, Let's so, get back to dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs <laughs> is a much better topic. Uh, much more fun. Uh, so, so yeah. yeah speaking of I, dinosaurs, Lashawn McCoy. Lashawn McCoy. Yeah. McCoy is definitely a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> now, what kind of dinosaur he is, I, I don't know, but um, probably, probably right. like a ty- Tyrex or something. I don't know, but anyways, um, where, where do you I, see McCoy? How, how do you see him as his value? I'm kind of blown away right now, to be honest with you, because I just looked up. How old do you think he is? Uh, I think he's, what, 31, 32? He's 29. 
Oh, wow. So he's much younger than I thought. Yeah. I'm surprised by that. I really – I thought he was – I like you, I, I thought he was 31, 32. But, um, man, some of that's age and some of that he's got a lot of carries underneath, you know, on those knees. Oh, and, yeah. you know, this, it might be one of those situations where you want to – and there's nothing about his – you know, it's not like he is in an offense where you're excited and you think, oh, man, he's going to be set up for a lot of success. He's playing on the Bills. Um, that team is just – I mean, Josh Allen might be quarterback in that team. Uh, Girl. Just – it's a mess. It's a mess. I see leagues where you you everybody's in a league with a guy who likes – name value players and if you can sell him to that guy uh i think now's the time because yeah i you know i mean he'll have games this year where you're glad you have him on on your team and like you said maybe even if this is maybe even if you're close and you just you know you just have a you're running back away then yeah maybe maybe you you know really look at it and say yeah, maybe I add him and I buy low, but um, I mean, I I'd have to be, you know, what maybe maybe you give up a couple of second round picks and a you know somebody you know like a, a, a second quarterback or something. I mean, I I don't know what I would be comfortable giving up to get him even in that case. Um, yeah, and tough, you bring up a great point with that but, too. You know, he, he's going to be wasted in Buffalo just because of the quarterback situation. And Josh Allen, I, I'd honestly right now would rather have Tyrod Taylor than Josh Allen. So his yeah. value, um, we're looking at the same value, but he's much younger than what we thought he was. But it doesn't really – that kind of stuff doesn't really matter as far as – because you're looking at the masses. And masses, I think, are more like me who think he's much older – than what he really is and it's it's like okay well I don't really want to touch that because he's he is that you know in my mind he's that old and maybe he maybe he kind of is as you mentioned the carries he's been the number one guy he was the number one guy all last year uh carrying the ball right. all the time and that that just wears the body down no matter what age you are your your body's like a car. The more the more hits you take, the more dings you get, the more that car is going to break down. It could be a brand new car, but if you're in three or four wrecks, guess what that car is worth? It's not worth anything. So, and that's sort of what maybe Lamashankoy is. Is just someone who's been beat up and dinged up so much that his body is just broken down. Yeah, we only have a couple more minutes here, but um, let's talk about a couple of guys who. Are you know, they one of these guys? One of these guys changed teams in the off season, and so he's expected to have a much bigger role. And one of these guys is on the same team, but his running back partner left and was replaced by a new one. Um, both in really interesting situations, kind of exciting offenses, young offenses putting it together. Um, Derek Henry and Jarek yeah. McKinnon, obviously very different type backs. But uh, right. they're, both those guys are going right right there about the same range, 14, 15, 16, um, going as running back twos. A um, lot of risk, a lot of potential reward. Who, who's your favorite out of McKinnon and Henry? 
Oh, I hate them both. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've never been a fan of Henry. Uh, he was another guy I sold off early. Uh, I think I got him with the third pick of, of a startup uh, draft his rookie year, and I drafted him to sell him, to trade him, and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, And what they're saying now, I guess, is Henry and um, – Oh God, who's with him? Um, Deion Lewis. They Deion Lewis. Thank you. Are one yeah. uh, A and one B. So he, he's right back where he was with uh, which we call it. And so it, uh, Murray, I, I yeah. don't even think the Titans. Yeah, Demarco Murray. I don't even think the Titans have any faith in him either. So why should I have faith in him when they're always looking to split carries? Uh, so yeah, I, I can And I think McKinnon's hype. What, what has he ever done? Yeah, he's come in. He's had a couple good games and he's blowing it up. And he's like uh, a limited Kareem Hunt, where he comes in every once in a while and blows up the scoreboard, and everybody gets all excited. But now he's with the 49ers. And so they're thinking that he's going to be, because of Shanahan offense, that he's just going to be this wonderful running back. And he's just going to all of a sudden uh, be a talent and a, a, that he's not and be genetically inclined to play football, which he's not. And so to me, that's just overhype. Um, neither one of them I would, I would take, draft. Uh, I would sell them both. I wouldn't have – I'd want them off my team. That, that's how bad I wouldn't want any of those guys. Um, even if I have to take a little bit of less to to get rid of them, I'd get rid of them. Um, but that that's a biased viewpoint. How about, how about you, Cal? Do you have more of a neutral one? Uh, you know, I just you know I don't know why you would think we could possibly be burned by a Shanahan offense. I mean, it's yeah. not like that's ever happened before. You know, so <laughs> um, no, like man, I oh, gosh, I wanted so desperately for Jarrett McKinnon to get uh, the full-time role there in Minnesota uh, going into last year. Uh, I was really excited about him two years ago. Um, come in and he would flash a lot of potential. And I'm, I'm guessing like, you know, obviously Shanahan does see something in him. And, you know, if, if he is going to be pegged as the guy there, um, he'll be given a lot of opportunity but the one thing about the Shanahan offense is, you know, you may see a like an Alfred Morris come out of nowhere or Ruben Drawn right. or, you know, some of these guys that going back a while that just all of a sudden come out of nowhere and they're yep. they're the lead back all of a sudden. Um yep. so yeah, I mean I I guess I'm I would I'm probably more optimistic than you are on him. Um and I would say I'm probably a little bit more optimistic on Derrick Henry than you are, um, based based on what you said. I I think these guys are fine values here, but I think it highlights what we've said and the theme of what we said this whole time is running back gets scary fast. Um, yeah, you know, guys guys that you just really can't. And then you know, like you look at these guys and you here's what happens to me in a draft. If I don't have my running back situation sorted out, it gets to these guys and I'm like, God, I don't necessarily love them. And I, you know, I'm going to take Stephon Diggs instead or, you know, some, somebody, you know, more like that, more solid. And mm-hmm. then by the time it comes back around again, you know, all of a sudden now I'm left with, I'm staring at 
Sony Michael or, you know, somebody, you know, Rashad Penny or they're the best available all of a sudden. And I'm thinking, gosh, I, man, I, maybe I should have grabbed some of those other guys. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, sometimes maybe it's just beggars can't be choosers, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a little bit of hope in me for, for both those guys, but I don't know. I agree on, I agree on most of your points. And I think there's a lot to be concerned about with Derrick Henry, with Deion Lewis, with um, the new coach there coming from new England, obviously knowing and tr- having trust in Deion Lewis. So, um, you know, I, I can definitely see that. But then even – even it's not like you can trust Deion Lewis because he's hurt and he's scored a touchdown. So it just makes right. for a bad – or not scored a touchdown. It makes for a bad fantasy situation. So uh, last one, I think, you know, probably we'll have to touch on this one, uh, this guy, and then uh, and then sign off. But real quick, another situation where we've got a couple of different, very different backs in the backfield. Uh, what about – how do you feel about Jordan Howard? Yeah, if if you're in a standard league, I really like him an awful lot. If you're in a PPR league, I, I just think Colin is, is just really dangerous. Uh, he's just going to take away those receptions just because Howard has bricks for hands. He's just not going to catch the ball very often. I don't even know what he had last year, maybe what, like 10 catches or something to that effect. It wasn't very much. And that was all Cohen's job. And, yeah. and so – I I just can't I just can't see drafting him in a PPR dynasty league, especially when you have someone younger than him in Tara Cohen. Now, would I be unhappy if I get him at the value that I expect him at? No, I I I think he he can definitely outplay his value. So, I wouldn't be disappointed if I had him. I just wouldn't really look be shopping for him in a PPR league. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you – know, how, how big of a threat do you think Tariq Cohen is? Because he obviously came out last year and had a phenomenal week one. I I used a number one priority on picking him up in a couple of leagues and spent a lot of fab uh, to get him. And, yeah, I wasn't super excited about having him on my team for the rest of the year, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about how much they want to get the ball in his hands and how exciting he is. And then John Fox was just John Fox. Do you think that right. changes this year? And we've, you know, now, you know, we've got a, um, the coaching staff serious about getting the ball in his hands. There's been a lot of buzz about that. Do you buy it? And do you put, do you put any stock into that? Or do you think that's just coach speak? You know, I, I think a lot of it depends on how good Mitchell Trubisky plays. If, yeah. He a lot a lot of that was just because they stacked the box and they had bad seasons because of because of it and Mitchell Trubisky was learning the offense. Now that he has a pretty good maybe not a full season but he's he's got the offense. He should be okay. Uh then it's going to be how well he can perform. And if he can perform uh say around Jared Goff level or you know, maybe a little bit under if, if he's not as talented, then they're going to be okay. It's 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 riding on that. So I think Cohen isn't a threat as far as early downs are concerned. I think he's just too too small of a running back to to go, okay, well if Cohen has these great weeks, is he going to usurp the, the role away from Howard? And I, I don't see that happening at all. I see it just as 
is uh, Cohen being a third down back as much as Howard being a first first and second down back or someone in between the tackles. They are very polar opposite players, so they make a good good combination just because of that. So I don't I don't see I don't see Cohen taking the job away from Howard. Uh, how about you? You think you think um, Howard's Howard's at risk of losing that job to Cohen? I don't think he's at risk of losing it. I mean, I, you know, it'd be nice to see Cohen more involved. Um, I think, it, you know, I think it could, it could crush Howard's value if, if he is though. Um, yes. You know, not, not so much to where you're looking at him, you know, as being the 30th guy, but you know, maybe, you know, maybe where you're just not counting him on him as much, maybe he's a back end number two guy or a top end number three guy. Um, you know, he's, it, it's got the, opportunity for that but I don't I don't ever expect Cohen to be a guy that gets 200 carries you know he just no. he's not that kind of player um you know could he be something like uh Naheem Hines is supposed to be there with the Colts maybe um where he lines maybe. up in a few different places or yeah maybe like a maybe like a somewhat of a Sproles although can there ever really be another Sproles I mean we've been looking for the next Sproles for forever and there is no other Sproles, yeah. right? Sproles is one no, of the No, no. Yeah, <laughs> so. for sure. Well, I think that probably wraps us up. We're getting close to that 90-minute yeah. mark here. Um, it was really fun. We'll, we'll pick up on some of these. You know, figuring out what you're going to do with the running back position is really important, and these next 15, 20, 30 guys that we're going to talk about, really important to know which one you like, Who and we're going to pick those out, and we're going to let you guys know – which ones we like the most? Hit us up on Twitter at RFL Red Zone for Mike at Dynasty at, at sorry at Dinocast Cal on Twitter. So uh, hit us up there and yeah, Mike, always fun, always a blast, and uh, let's do it again Definitely, next week. Cal. Yeah, right, absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Cal. Right. Have a good one.